Hello and welcome to another episode of Cloud Security Podcast. In this episode, we're talking to Francesco, who is known for his effort in the community for Mentoring Monday, Follow Friday, and is also a part of Cloud Security Alliance, CSA for a lot of us, which I guess I'll let him talk about it in the podcast. This is an interesting podcast, and I guess one thing to note, I had a bit of a cold before this podcast so you would hear I may sound a bit distant and that's possibly because I'm trying to hold my mouth every time I cough or sneeze so appreciate your patience with that but um, Francesco was super loud and clear so you would get a huge amount of wisdom from him looking forward to the episodes as uh, as all my other episodes I have amazing guests and I really, really appreciate it of it if you find anyone else would get value from listening to this episode please do share this with them. Also, send us an email or send us a tweet. We always respond to everything. And we would love to hear from you on what else we should be covering or who should we bring in as guests. All right, let's get into the episode. Welcome to Cloud Security Podcast. And today we have a special guest from UK, Francesco. And well, I have been following your work on LinkedIn for a while, Twitter for a while. For people who don't know you, how do you share who is Francesco? Thank you for having me. Uh, I think I wear many hats. Uh, so one of the hats that I wear is, of course, uh, as probably you met me, is the head of Cloud Security Alliance for UK and Ireland. We do uh, anything cloud-related and we try to secure... And, and give recommendation to SME or big organization on how to secure their environment. Um, we're not for profit, but we run a number of events. And of course, we're associated with our big business that is the Cloud Security Alliance. That is the, the guys that uh, wrote 27,018 uh, and 17 that are the standard for the cloud. So we started, we started cloud security from the scratch. And then I think you might have uh, come across me with the Mentoring Monday podcast where we do similar things as, as you do, yeah. uh, where we, we get people involved uh, in security, we get a thought leader to come in and talk to us and talk to our community of people to start in security and we run different teams. And of course, I'm heading the um, NSC42, that is my uh, security consultancy here in London, and we do application security and, of course, cloud security. Yeah. And yeah. whatever I'm going to say today, though, it doesn't represent any of my clients or any of my organizations, so it's just purely my opinion, just to <laughs> just clear the record. <laughs> that, that, that's fine. Let, let's, let's save our backside first before we go into this. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, cool. So, um, and cloud security is an interesting one for a lot of people where a lot of people have different definition of what cloud security is. What does cloud security mean for you? I just strip it down even to just pure security. When I say security, just doing things right. And nowadays security, especially when, when, the, when the first transformation that I've been involved in were kicking off, I had a lot of people really, especially in the security field, really, really scared of, okay, how do I protect my data? I, I used to keep it safe in my network, in my environment. Now it's going to the cloud. What is the cloud? How do I control the access? Everybody getting crazy. And we saw probably four or five years ago, the first thing blowing up with the S3 bucket completely open. And with AWS probably not, not taking a, a security 
strength approach on on the cloud because they wanted adoption first. Yeah. So security for the cloud is really starting to consider what is effectively your client's policy, your organizational policy, what is security for you, and then applying the same non-functional requirement to each product and decide which product are you going to use, which product are you not going to use, and start small. And that's how I recommend all my clients to say, start small, start with a very thoughtful structure of product that you want to use, environment, and how do you want to configure the minimal pattern of the stuff. And it's really important to start from the foundation because if you get the foundation wrong, correcting it down the line, like if you if you um, created a network not in a proper way, if you haven't segmented, correcting things in production is always, always really painful. So get some thinking cap on, uh, especially at the beginning of the transformation. If you don't know how to uh, contact people that have done this or contact the Cloud Security Alliance, we offer free consultancy to actually how to get started and, and how to kick off the, the security strategy. And there are two or three of my talks on that, on, on really the basic thing to, uh, to do when you start a cloud transformation. What do you have to consider? Right, I didn't know uh, Cloud Security Alliance actually had free consulting. Yeah, I mean, we have, we run, uh, we run meetups, uh, we run, uh, if you're a member, you can come to our calls. We run members calls where you just network with, uh, with people and you can ask those questions when you have a community of people. Uh, we run a lot of white papers, but we tend to help organizations getting up to speed with the cloud and we partner up with AWS, Microsoft, uh, and Google on trying to get more basic training, for example, this year in the UK, yep. so that and people can ask those questions. Taking a step back, because for people who may be new to the cloud and they may, they may be listening to Cloud Security Alliance for the first time, people in security may have heard about it for, <laughs> for a while. How do you explain what Cloud Security Alliance is? So the Cloud Security Alliance, if you want, in a nutshell, is a non-for-profit that wrote the original standard on the cloud and then we started getting more and more uh, people involved in, in, in cloud transformation or they were doing cloud transformation and effectively it started as a network of people and we started publishing out all the material, all the white papers, uh, all the standards uh, that it was in the back of our mind and one of the big standards that we published was the uh, CCM, the Cloud Control Matrix. Yep. that is effectively a guideline of all the controls that are available uh, and how they map to all the standards. So if you don't know where to start, uh, start with the division of responsibilities in our CCSK, you know, body of knowledge. Uh, I don't remember exactly the chapter, but there is a full chapter dedicated on understanding what are you responsible in from a security perspective, what the cloud provider is responsible, and then move to the next step, identifying the control, identifying the staff, and if you don't know, find a local chapter yeah. in your country, in your area, and get in touch with the people, with the peers, and ask the question. Is there one it's, in Australia? Uh, probably is. <laughs> I can well, find it out. I can find it out for you. There is not one. I probably would start, I should start one, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe I should reach out to you for that separately. <laughs> but um, Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I can, I can give you guidance. Something. Perfect. Um, I guess... The next question is, what, so we spoke about cloud security and transformation that a lot of people are going through. What is multi-cloud for you? And is multi-cloud really a thing? People should consider multi-cloud? No. Not when you start. 
we had a stream of, and you're going to know this about me. I'm very strongly opinionated about certain things, but no, we had, I know, but we had this, this stream of things and people going crazy with multi-cloud. But if you just think uh, the issue of spinning up environment in Azure with scripts uh, and then doing the same stuff with Terraformation on other, other cloud, we already have two different standards of PowerShell and Terraformation. And then you have maybe abstraction layers that you put in front to actually say, you know what, I can create a script that actually configure with stuff with Azure or stuff with AWS. But the, this Terraformation is already behind on CloudFormation and Azure PowerShell in terms of library, in terms of service that you can use. So you have already two versions. So it's, if you start in the cloud, just out in one location, we do it very simple. The only recommendation I might give is effectively consider backup in another environment, in another cloud provider. <clears throat> Always consider the cost that is involved in extracting information out of the cloud provider because it's really easy to get data in, but it's really expensive to get data out. So you should really consider that. And the other element that I consider to incorporate from the cloud provider that can lock you in really badly is identity. So choose an external identity provider that provides you ideally with MFA. MFA all the accounts. If, if anything you do in security, just MFA all the accounts. Yeah. Um, I'm not going to start the controversial around SMS and uh, another, no. another form of authentication. Yeah. Just some form of MFA. Just, just go with that. Just do some form just of Just one form of MFA. If you can, just Authenticator or, or Microsoft Authenticator or whatever uh, software-based Authenticator you can use. If nothing, just use a, a SMS, MFA, but at least MFA, two-factor. Yeah, and I think because you said so, <coughs> just to know, because usually people say MFA for admin accounts, for someone who's accessing a pass on infrastructure, but do you recommend using MFA for read-only users to the cloud platforms as well, or...? Why not? MFA, well, ideally for anybody that has write access because it can cause havoc in your environment, even if it's a small environment. Uh, Read-only user, enumeration, I'll just say. Anybody that can do enumeration is going to be uh, a way ahead of you. So, All right, so no MFA. Why not? No, so yes, sorry? Yes, so yes, MFA, no MFA. Yes, MFA to everything. <laughs> if, you need, if you need to choose because you have license, because you have reason to not apply MFA everywhere, uh, I would say start with the right only account, with the right accounts. So admins or, or sub-admin account of a subscription or yep. domain. Now, I guess to your point, multi-cloud may not make sense in the beginning. Once you grow big enough, like, uh, I guess, you know, big four bank or consult or not consulting firm, but more uh, internet companies, at that stage, does multi-cloud still make sense for you? I guess for you. I still doesn't. I mean, on, on certain exception, like I've seen CRM on the cloud that uh, leave them, uh, have their life on a different cloud provider. Uh, I've seen backup on a different cloud. I see identities, but the bulk of it, yeah, because of all the automation, because of all the customization on the script, tend to ultimately land on one provider. And even in in big organization, what I've seen is you have stream of thoughts and stream of uh, pieces of the organization that goes completely on one cloud or completely on another cloud, but you don't see much hybrid in a single one. If you take, for example, uh, I don't know, 
probably the top couple top three American banks without naming names they're on on AWS uh, here in the UK I think is a bit of a of a mix and hybrid but you still see banks or you still see big organizations that orient themselves towards one provider because first expertise it's really hard to have multiple expertise. It's really hard to find security on, on one cloud. Yeah. Think about multi-cloud. <laughs> then customization of scripts. Um, service becomes really, really customized. You can't start writing stuff in PowerShell. Then you move to Terraformation or CloudFormation for AWS. And then you write customization stuff for GCP, for example. Uh, and then compliance rule. You have three compliance engine. You end up with three compliance engine. So it really becomes a lot of work. So what I recommend is stick to one cloud and only on specific use case, consider different cloud provider. Sure. And to your point about sticking to one cloud, is there a way to measure cloud security or your maturity of cloud security in any environment? That's a really good question. Um, I think there are out there few kind of assessment tool that assess um, the environment as a whole. Uh, of course, the cloud providers have uh, their own engines. Uh, you have Azure, uh, Azure Security Center that measure your compliance to work towards SIS, yeah. uh, this um, center of internet standard that deploy their own, that created their own standards for a number of things. Um, so Azure has his own embedded one. AWS has started his own with security center. Well, security center? Security no, Hub. Shield. Oh, yeah, Shield. Security Hub and Shield. Yeah. Um, I think Salesforce has started towards that direction. GCP has Forseti that is a configurable rule engine where you can configure your own set of rules. So you can achieve kind of an assessment of compliance. Um, but the majority of stuff that I see is manual compliance, manual assessment. And the, and the CCM can, can offer for manual audit and manual assessment a good guideline of, have you considered this, have you considered this, have you considered this? And considering it has multiple domains, yep. um, from backup to accounts uh, to um, encryption and stuff like that, you cannot have a one-stop shop where you can audit your, your environment and then get better at it by automating that audit with this compliance engine. Right, and how often do you recommend, you know how pen test kind of happens every time there's a change in design? Similar yeah. to that, there's an audit that happens once You wish. Yeah, you <laughs> well, wish. Yeah, yeah, you wish. Um, uh, in an ideal world, I, I'll just say it that way. In an ideal world, pen test would happen when design changes or a new platform kind of comes in. How often do you recommend people do assessments of their cloud security maturity? I would say once or twice per year when they're starting because, or maybe more frequently depending on the, the number of services they introduce. If you're doing a good initial assessment and initial strategy and transformation, then you don't need to do that more often because you have already decided the number of services that you introduce. Uh, continuously assess the service so whenever you introduce new service, make sure that they are compliant with your own policy, and then assess the environment as a whole. So if you think about it, a design for the environment wouldn't change that frequently. You have probably the three tier or the two tiers, the connectivity, that wouldn't change that frequently. What it changes is the service that you have inside 
and how you harden the various, uh, I don't know, application or, or how do you use the various service. So that recertify frequently uh, once or twice per year. And ideally, you will run continuous compliance with, uh, with the engine that I just mentioned, like for SETI, for GCP, for example. When you start creating uh, rules like, I don't want any, in, in this environment, I don't want anything that is web-facing. You can create a rule to actually say, I don't want any connectivity or any route that goes outside. Yeah. That continues the assessment that you don't have to assess yourself. That's right. And I think that's kind of where being more cloud native and using services from the cloud kind of makes sense as well. Because to your point earlier, all three cloud providers or all the, at least all the three major public cloud providers are offering services where you can kind of do an assessment. You don't have to go to an external person. You can set the foundation right and ongoing yeah. measure them yourself. I think that's, a, that's kind of like the key for why... Um, if well, is, I, well, use it. well, I tend to use, I tend the controversial argument, go external if you need funding from your board. So do an external assessment, do a pen test if you need to demonstrate from an external party that yeah. tells you exactly the stuff. But assess the things yourself or do continuous right. compliance because there is nobody better than yourself on telling what security is for your organization. That's right, especially with the context as well, because to your point, a Pentus report would be generic for, oh, this is public, but it's supposed to be public, it's something that the company would know, but not the pen tester. Yeah, yeah that, that yeah, makes you, sense. You have to tell the pen tester those information, so either way, you bet, you're better off uh, achieving continuous compliance and doing an assessment yourself. Uh, it's hard, yeah. it's, it's definitely hard, but with the stuff that the Cloud Security Alliance introduced, and the more we, we, we're going to, in terms of white paper and, and recommendation that we're going to introduce, yeah. I think you have a way forward. Do you see, uh, I guess, to your point earlier about a lot of organizations tend to go towards one particular cloud and they, some of them diverge and become hybrids. Is mm -hmm. there a, I guess, is there a trend you're seeing between, because you do a lot of talking in US as well, like you do yeah. a lot of events. What is the trend you're seeing in terms of who's, I don't want to say who's winning public cloud race, but what do you see as like a upcoming thing? Because I guess we have a lot of listeners who may be starting off in cloud security and they may mm -hmm. like, we spoke about a lot of services offline that, you know, how many services being released by AWS, Azure, Google Cloud, where do they go for, where do they shop, where should they start, I guess? So someone who's looking at doing something in cloud security, where should they be focusing on? So what I'm going to say is just purely observation that I've seen here and there. It's not just any representation of the Classic Alliance or my client. So with that out, um, <laughs> I will definitely say that I've seen a very, very, very strong presence on AWS in, um, in the U.S. with the pure reason because they started there, they attacked the market there, uh, so they crafted the sales specifically for their market. In fact, it's really much. It's pretty much engineering led. The US has a very strong engineering mindset and product mindset. So that is a really strong and powerful uh, combination. If you go to the Euro to Europe, where you have less engineers or less development happening all the time, and, and Microsoft is more embedded in the enterprise naturally microsoft have has landed with uh, uh azure t directory and uh, uh office 365 
things naturally. So I've landed things naturally and then it expanded from there with Azure. Um, and Azure was just a backend of uh, um, Active Directory. Then you had uh, Office 65 taking over and then Azure expanding in the number of services really in the last three years. Um, Asia and Australia, I think Australia is pretty much aligned with the US in the use of AWS. Yeah. Um, Asia is a bit of a mixed bag, but I don't have an eyes on it. Um, yeah, GCP, GCP is a little bit more particular because I've seen GCP taking over on very niche product like analytics where they're really, really strong being Google and being and having that analytic engine that they can reuse or a lot of AI as a service uh, and function that they, they, they sell based on their query engine. But it's definitely taking uh, speed and pace with the compute engine and the kind of service they're introducing. So it's, it's a little bit lagging behind, but it's, it's taking over. But it really depends on, on how your company is structured. So if it's, it has more engineers, then definitely go on AWS. If it's less engineers, and if you want something that to start in a more easy way, as you tend to be more friendly and tend to have a more friendly UI. Right. It really depends. It really, do an evaluation. See what's easier for you to configure and what fulfills your requirements. So if you need strong customization requirement, I would suggest go AWS. Or if you need specific service, evaluate all the providers. If you want easy to configuration, GCP or uh, Azure can offer a good starting point. Oh, cool. Um, that's a good segue into our next segment. Uh, it's called mm -hmm. Mythbusters. Um, in Mythbusters, basically the first question is, what is the most common cloud security myth that you come across? Cloud is secure. <laughs> or insecure. It depends, it depends by, by who has done the best marketing. Oh, and how do you bust this myth? Like, what, what is your opinion on this? Uh, the clouds tend to be more secure than any organization that I've came across. It's all a matter of configuration, honestly. Mm -hmm. um, if you think about, uh, I don't know, AWS or Azure or GCP, they fundamentally have tons and tons of clients across different, different environments, and they are potentially regulated by all the regulation on Earth, so they will have a scrutiny that is definitely bigger than your organization. They have a security level that is, if they lose on that, they lose the business. So definitely the service is up to scratch. What is, what tend to fails a lot in the in cloud providers and what people say the cloud is secure, the cloud is not secure, is the configuration aspect of it. So the security of data inside the cloud. So trust your cloud provider to do the physical part and yep. to do what they're responsible, but understand really what you're responsible as a user of the cloud and what you need to secure inside the cloud. So the configuration aspect of the service in the cloud and how you configure. Cloud is nothing different than, than a data center somewhere else. Yep. It's just that they put an API in front of it that's so that right. you can configure it programmatically. That's yep. all. Yeah, that's right. But I think a lot of people just kind of aren't, misunderstand to be misunderstand cloud to be this this really unique unicorn for like a better, better word that they have no idea how to react to I will, so the next question after this is do you feel cloud security is becoming a conversation at the c level 
like sea level folks are taking it seriously now uh it depends it depends by the business it depends how well educated the business is on the specific subject i see a lot of buzzword and hype uh, happening on the cloud where somebody goes to a conference and all their peers are calls and they're doing cloud stuff hence it comes back and say we shall be cloud <laughs> or a lot of conference are oriented for example on the scaremongers and what happened on on uh, somebody's being breached i'm not going to name names but we had few breaches on the cloud of uh in in the past six months uh, for yeah. misconfiguration so at that point everybody's scared and everybody say the cloud is insecure we oh. shall be we shall pay more attention and it happens all the time so yeah. Meet Buster on that. Just look at your organization. What is security for your organization? And apply the same principle that you apply on-prem on the cloud. Sure. Um, and what is something that people are not talking enough about in cloud security? Um, I think I'll, I'll revert back to the configuration aspect and the right. unmanned configuration aspect. So a lot of the issue, well, if, if anything, 99% of the issue that we, and, and breaches that we've seen in the cloud was because somebody configured something in a different way that wasn't secure. Yeah. Hence, if you remove the human aspect out of the configuration, and if you say, this is how I want to configure my environment, and I'll make it consistent across the board and I'll make it repeatable with script or Terraformation template or CloudFormation template for AWS or a CICD pipeline that then deploys my configuration automatically, yep. then at least that will ensure consistency of configuration around specific service. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Um, I'm kind of coming towards the end of our uh, thing as well. Before we go into almost our fun section i just have one more question you mentioned breach earlier is there a breach that you were part of or that you can share stories of i can't disclose that <laughs> i have no opinion and i can't disclose that i, I tried i tried <laughs> of course you, you. <laughs> i wouldn't respect if you haven't <laughs> um, I'm, all right that, this is the last segment and Hey, what's up everyone? A lot of people ask me how do I get started on a podcast. One of the easiest ways that I've found to start a podcast is through an app called Anchor. They have a web version and a mobile version. The best part about the app is that you can record directly from your phone and they have background music that you can use along with your podcast as you do introduction. It has tons of feature for podcast. The best part is it takes care of the distribution as well. It distributes to Apple, Google, Spotify, some of the major providers of podcasts. So they take your distribution and also on top of it, they pay you money for running ads on your podcast. So to get started on your podcast today, head to anchor.fm. Also check out help.anchor.fm where they have a lot of useful information for people who are starting out on podcast. So just go out and start your own podcast today. So basically fun questions. What do you spend most time on when you're not working on cloud or securing cloud? Ah, uh, geez, I spend uh, tons of time on the on community events. So I do a lot of public speaking. I do a lot of mentoring. So I have uh, four and five mentees. Um, I try to get preference to women in cyber. So I'm a big sponsor of women in cybersecurity. My main mentor, Jane Franklin, 
is a woman. I massively respect her for <clears throat> all the work she does. So taking on me to actually mentor uh, other female mentees is extremely challenging being a male ally in this world, but it's getting better. Um, so I do a lot of community events. I do a lot of talks. So I partner up with of recent Flatiron School. Yep. So I do a lot of talks on their engineering community to get them up to speed on security. Um, follow Fridays, a lot of videos. I'm constantly yep. on, on social medias. Um, conference and... Yeah, when I'm not doing that, I'm either in the gym or running or I try to carve out a little bit of time for myself when, when I'm traveling and trying to enjoy the place. I'm a big whiskey fan, so I have oh. a huge whiskey collection. There's a massive cabinet down there <laughs> yeah. of whiskey. So I'm collecting whiskey and I go with uh, my friends enjoying whiskeys. Uh, around the world so i start small whiskey community around the world no that is pretty awesome i'm a big big, big whiskey fan as well myself so i can totally appreciate that I can which, which one is your favorite Ooh, it's interesting because recently we did, my wife and i discovered um there is a japanese version of what's it called? i have to come back with you with the I'll, I'll send you a picture of it uh, but i think i'm I bought it at the airport and it like really, yeah. Uh, anyway, I, I can go on about this and just spend the whole rest of the podcast talking about whiskey. Uh, the, um, I guess, and just want to quickly shout out to Jane Franklin as well, because we had her as a guest a uh, few, we, I guess, a few episodes ago, but she was a pretty lovely lady. Got yeah, learned fantastic. so much from her. Um, the next question for, I guess, fun section is, what is something that you are proud of, but is not on your socials? I'm massively on social, so I'm gonna struggle on that. Um, whiskey, I guess. I know I'm, I'm pretty big on whiskey on social as well, so oh, everybody okay. knows that I'm the whiskey guy. Um, I don't think it's, it's good to be proud of whiskey, <laughs> 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 it makes me an alcoholic. Um, no, that's it's a tough one. Maybe follow Friday or mentoring, I guess. Yeah, I mean. Yeah, a lot of my life has been a lot on social, so I've been massively public on the activity. If I can take anything, is the satisfaction of any mentee that says how much I've done for them and the recognition. So sometimes, you know, you're on the stream of thoughts, you're, you're doing, 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 and you don't recognize anymore the work that you do or how much uh, how much you give back to people. And when somebody actually recognize the effort or recognize the good thing that come from you or uh, somebody new just says, for example, I really appreciate the podcast. Uh, I think it has given me a lot. Those kind of things I'm really proud of because first of all, it shocks me because I'm, I'm so much into it. It yeah. comes naturally. So it's the gratification that comes back from it. And it's also giving back. So cool. if awesome, anything... Man. I'm, I'm proud of any any contribution if I can inject a little bit of security inside the brain of somebody somebody new. Somebody to use as MFA or locking the... Yes, you yes. Walk away. We, That's a great we actually run, we actually did run a massive campaign, MFA everything, and we got two or three companies with Tanya, Jim, and uh, John to actually start offering MFA as part of us bashing them. Oh, that's so awesome. If, yeah, if, if, if people can start asking for MFA globally, 
then company will start listening and we start deploying MFA more frequently. So if if anything, if your organization doesn't offer MFA, start bashing at them and say <laughs> MFA everything <laughs> or offer MFA to everyone. Yeah, fortunately, we, we do a lot of, I think I've been hammering MFA and locking machines for a while, which is a, that those are the top two things in my mind every time I talk about this basic security hygiene. Uh, last question, what is your favorite cuisine and or a favorite restaurant? Uh, I'm Italian, so a life I say that I don't like pizza or Italian or pasta, but I am massive fan of Thai. Really? Thai uh, I'm, yeah, I'm big, well, I was in Bangkok for almost a year. I was stationed in Bangkok with the UN for almost a year. Um, so I really started enjoying the Thai cuisine and uh, yeah, it's really spicy food is, is one of my thing. Wow. Um, but yeah, if, if Asian, Asian cuisine and specifically Thai, uh, Thai and Korean uh, are my favorite ones. Oh, a lot of kimchi then, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> that I can do. Oh, that's, I'm, I'm feeling Korean really, barbecue, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's like 9 a.m. over here, but I feel like it's almost like I probably should be having Korean barbecue right now. That's, that's a good one, man. It's like, yeah. It's going to be heavy on, on for breakfast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's fine. But no, dude, thanks so much for your time, man. That was uh, pretty much the interview. I really appreciate you spending time on this, man. I appreciate your time. Thank you for listening to that episode. We're really trying to grow. So if you find that this would be a valuable episode for someone else, please do share the link with them. Do follow or subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcast platform, or you can listen to the latest episode also on our website, www.kaizentech.com. Until next time, take care and stay safe.